The Hoop Collective is presented by QuickBooks. New business? No problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. Our Tuesday podcast is now available on YouTube. So for those of you watching, you can see how fantastic Om Young Masuk's um, sneaker collection is behind him. I'm sure, <laughs> Om, we can only see part of it, but but yeah. one little piece of it behind you. Yes, just a small fragment. <laughs> and joining, Loma's in LA and joining us from Florida is Bobby Marks, our front office insider. Hey, Bobby. Hey guys, I'm just so happy I don't have to wear like these earpiece, their ear things anymore. I got a, I, I'm actually like like tech savvy with like a microphone in front of my uh, in front of my face right now. Well, welcome. Um, so I re- we weren't going to talk about the Lakers on this podcast. You guys know I've talked about the Lakers on all the other shows. I understand it's a very big topic, but I can't have Bobby on on a day when Magic Johnson goes on shows and talks about what he felt the Lakers should have done. I just feel like it needs Bobby's um, perspective and expertise. So this morning, uh, Magic was on Get Up. He was also on um, uh, First Take with Stephen A. And he basically said that the Lakers should have signed DeMar DeRozan, that that was a terrible mistake. And he goes so far as to say that he – was the initiator that um, he called the Lakers after Aaron Goodwin called him and said, DeMar wanted to play. He called the Lakers and says, Hey, still would have been in tampering zone, Bobby, but whatever. I'm sure if I was the bulls and I got fined for this, I would be upset about hearing this, but um, forget about that. Uh, He made the connection. Now DeRozan, when he talked uh, to Chris Haynes about this a few months ago, he said that LeBron was his go-between and maybe it was for him, maybe for LeBron. Maybe it was DeMar actually talking to LeBron, but magic said he was the go-between on the executive side. And Bobby, this is obviously a sore point because DeRozan made it clear, has made it clear that he wanted to be a Laker and it didn't work out, but it's not, it's not just as that simple. And just because this is now something that has been turned over, even though it's in the past, I would like for you to explain the complexities of what that would have entailed. Well, yeah. I mean, I think first things first is that DeMar DeRozan wasn't going to the Lakers for the tax mid-level exception. Okay. He wasn't going. It would have had to have been a sign and trade. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going there for $5.8 million. So we can, we can rule out that everything else, as far as getting DeRozan to um, Los Angeles would have had, would have required a sign and trade and a sign and trade requires the cooperation of the team that you are currently or ended your season with meaning San Antonio. So when you look at it from a multiple different ways, once the um, once the Lakers did the Westbrook trade with um, with Washington, any sign and trade with the Rosen in San Antonio would have been out the window, right? All those right. pieces went to Washington, whether it be, Caldwell Pope, um, Kuzma, draft picks, uh, Montrez, all that went away. So that basically eliminated it from a sign and trade perspective. And remember, when Westbrook came back, he was already under contract. So the hard cap wasn't triggered. When you acquire a player in a, 
and a sign and trade free agent signs traded to you, the hard cap gets triggered. Well, when you look at the Lakers cap ledger with LeBron, Anthony Davis, um, and now you add DeRozan in whatever pieces that are left, you would have been pressed up against that hard cap or you would have had a teeny bit of flexibility. But if DeMar DeRozan doesn't come in at a $26 million contract per year that he signed with Chicago, if he, if he wants to come in at 10 to 15 million. And from my understanding and talking with people, his number was in the mid twenties, as far as what that was going to be. The second thing is I have a hard time believing that San Antonio was going to cooperate with the Lakers on a sign and trade. It's one thing to do a deal with Chicago and you're sending him out of, you know, out of con um, out of conference, but the pieces that would have been probably involved, whether it be maybe Kyle Kuzma or um, Montrez or KCP, you got to get those numbers up there. Let me, let me speak to that real quick. I do think from what I am told, San Antonio was interested in making a deal, but what they wanted and what the Lakers may have wanted may not have, it never got to that point. I think San Antonio was willing, but as you know, pop doesn't like the Lakers. I don't think he was going to make it easy, but I do think San Antonio would have done business. Just, uh, I didn't, I don't want to stop yeah. you, but just let me no, get that. But, out there. I mean, and I think that's the whole thing is that as far as like, I think everybody equates to sign and trade and like, Oh yeah. The, you know, you know, it, it would, it would have been easy because San Antonio would just would have taken back whatever they would have had to have, a, they were comfortable with Chicago's package of Thaddeus Young and Al Farouk Aminu and a first round pick and a second round pick, the kind of the parameters um, with that. I just have a hard time believing the a DeMar DeRozan signing, tra uh, signing trade and him at the co contract he was looking for, the Lakers would have been able to all put that under, um, all under the hard cap. That, I mean, that's the realistic there. And, and we could talk about him going to meet with the Clippers or other teams like that. I mean, the Clippers only had the tax mid-level exception at the time. Um, I just never, he wasn't going, this was his last big bite of the apple. He wasn't going there for a hometown discount to, to win it, win a championship. He was looking for another payday. Yeah. So um, he, the deal he signed with Chicago was fully guaranteed three years it started at $26 million. Um, so even if he was willing to take less from the Lakers, it didn't mean he was going to take 5 million. He might've been willing to take 20 million to start. Even that's a big bite. It would have been, you know, um, an eight figure difference from what the bulls could guarantee. Um, and cause I've seen some people, I think magic even said this, Bobby, that maybe they could have done to Rosen and then traded for buddy healed. Well, that, and that's the other thing too. And I heard, I heard the interview and he said, well, then we could have got out and signed, uh, we could have brought Alex Caruso back. Like, no, 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 no. Like you do this part. Like there's not three parts to the deal here, right? Like you do it. If you don't do a Westbrook trade, right. If you have all your, 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 you know, everything kind of in play, then you're not going out and doing a buddy heel trade because some of those players are going to San Antonio and you're not going to be able to bring Alex Caruso back. You're probably not going to be able to sign Talon Horton Tucker. It's basically would have been LeBron, AD, DeRozan, and all veteran minimum players in order to fit that under the hard cap. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I, we have been, I have been hard on the Lakers. Everybody's been hard on the Lakers. A lot of it is justified. Um, and yes, DeRozan would have looked great as a Laker this year. He would have fit better 
than Westbrook, although it would have required LeBron to play more point guard, which LeBron didn't want to do clearly. But with all due respect to Magic, I don't think the Lakers should take direct incoming heat on this particular one. Well, you know, look, it's been a uh, subject of talk radio all this morning. Uh, whenever Magic talks, things resonate. I mean, th- look, this weekend we've had two Laker legends now chime in on the Lakers. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar talking about LeBron and whether or not LeBron, you know, handles himself right with a whole bunch of different things like COVID, all that other stuff. Uh, and then, of course, Magic chiming in today. And I think when when Magic talks, you always feel you get a sense that there's a lot of disarray. There's a lot of problems. There is no uh, cohesion with the people who make decisions with the Lakers because it's always like, well, I was t- Magic's always like, uh, you know, I was the go-to with DeMar DeRozan. Magic has a longtime relationship with DeMar DeRozan's agent, Aaron Goodwin. They go back over two decades. They are very tight. Um, have they had their ups and downs? Yes, but that's another story for another day. But basically, Magic saying, well, I brought them to Mar DeRozan and they could have had DeMar DeRozan. And then whatever happened, it didn't work out. They ended up with Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, look, the what I, I talked to someone from DeRozan's camp when DeRozan was in town in L.A. and he basically stuck it to the Lakers. And the impression that I got from his camp was that DeRozan felt that the Lakers were in sort of disarray. They didn't really have a vision. They didn't know what they were doing. And that the Clippers, who, to Bobby's point, didn't have much to offer at all. But if they did, if they could have pulled something off and paid him and maybe done a sign and trade, um, Rosen's camp was actually impressed with the Clipper vision. Not to say that he would have ended up there, but he did want to be in L.A. And, of course, things have worked out with him in Chicago. But this is just another inkling, I guess, of Magic kind of still being involved. We know Genie and Magic still talk. Uh, obviously magic when he left Jeannie has gone so far as to say she still takes counsel from him. Yeah, I believe it 100%. Um, and I, I, you know, listen, and when magic left and Rob and magic had that big kind of falling apart, but then, you know, then all of a sudden magic Robert talking again, you know what I mean? This is kind of who magic is. He, uh, you know, he'll talk to people. He doesn't really hold grudges like that. Um, but like, you know, I, I, I just feel like magic still wants to be involved. I think he obviously, um, is still kind of involved. And I think like he is trying to right now, everybody's searching for answers to what, what has gone wrong with the Lakers season and magic tried to explain it. Like, Hey, it could have been a lot better. We could have had DeRozan. And of course I think he was wrong about, Hey, we could also have Caruso and all these other parts too. Yeah. I just, I am hard on the Lakers when it's warranted. And I feel like they deserve with Bobby explaining why this one was a bit of a miss from magic, but uh, we move on. Um, Bobby, you will participate in the reporting of something over the weekend that I find fascinating. And that was that Ben Simmons filed a grievance against the 76ers for all of the money that they find him and are continuing to find him. Um, there's two things about this that I think are amazing. And then I'm going to let you sort of explain this process. I understand why he filed it because I guess you have to do just to file it. But I am amazed that the 76ers are going to potentially recoup 20 million here or have, 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 have found ways to find him for 20 million. And two, that even though he no longer plays for the 76ers and he's getting his checks from the Brooklyn Nets. Now he's not getting his checks because the Nets are sending his checks to the 76ers 
to satisfy team fines from earlier this year. He's getting his wages 100% garnished right now. And I'm kind of like, why are the Nets doing it? That's a 76ers matter. Um, it's not a league matter. So maybe you, I mean, I understand they think they're entitled to the money, but they trade it. Anyway, Bobby, can you explain this? And I, cause I think it's so amazing. Yeah. I mean, the big thing comes down to the salary advance that Simmons got over the summer. You know, it's, it's pretty, it's, you know, there was only a handful of, a lot of players do get advances, but his number is, is a whopper, right? So when you're making $33 million and you get 25% advance on July 1st, which is like 8.2, and then you get another 25% advance on uh, October 1st, you know, 16.5, like half of your salary is already been, you know, you already have half your salary in the, in the advanced bar. And when you look at how many games Philadelphia has fined Simmons for missing, it, it equates close to $20 million. Like that's like, it's basically 50, you know, 60 games of, of him from preseason to, um, to the regular season. And so they had started to find him. He gets paid on November 15th. They had started to garnish his paychecks on the 15th. 1.375 was his number. When you look at, he's got it. You got to take out so, some money. So each, each paycheck, because he got 50% of it, each paycheck every two weeks was a million three. Million, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 they, and they basically said, you're not getting any more money. Right. And so whatever they have to take out money from, from an escrow standpoint that goes, goes to the NBA, whatever was left to Philadelphia was keeping that. The other thing that's rare is that Simmons is on, on the, on a pay schedule where he's getting, it's over six months. It's not a, a year pay. So it ends on, uh, on April 30th. So since November 15th, 1.3 has been coming out of every one of his paychecks. Well, when you do the math, it doesn't add up. Eventually, when you get to the thirtieth, you're still we're like you're still going to have to recoup money. So Simmons gets traded in in mid uh, mid February. It's part of the trade call with Brooklyn. Philadelphia says, "Hey, this guy still owes us thirteen million dollars." And part of that is is that both sides agree that with his next paycheck. Whenever that was in, um, whenever that was in Brook, let's say the fifteenth of February, that the Nets were going to are going to payroll deduct one point three million dollars back to the Sixers to make whole as far as what they feel Simmons owes, and that is going to continue for the rest of April. Here, I think there's going to be two more paychecks when he he's owed that advance again this summer on the 1st and the uh, of July. So he's going to have an so the season his pay his pay year is going to end and he's still going to have an IOU to the Sixers. Yeah. of some some sizable amount that he will have to then the Nets will have to pay out of next year's salary. But why couldn't the Nets have said, "No, no, we're not you're done finding our player." They were like, yeah, we'll keep sending you to the money. We want to do this trade, right? I mean, is that what was what was the deal? Yeah, well, when you get the league involved. So, you know, there, there's basically, there's the financial element as far as trading contracts. And there, and part of the calls are, there are there any other matters? And Philadelphia said, well, wait a minute. Here's a matter? Wait, yeah, where is it? Here's yeah, a matter right yeah, here. Where do we send the bill for fines, right? Like, there's yeah. we're, we're, we don't owe this guy any more money, but he owes us. You know, Bobby, to to be clear, the Nets are deducting that money out of Simmons paycheck that they're paying him and taking it and just they're just giving it to the Sixers 
on behalf of Simmons, even though he doesn't want that. Correct. That is correct. And that was part of the, that was part of the trade call when, you know, with the league and from the league's perspective, I think if you ask the Sixers in Simmons camp and let's take the NBA out of it, do you guys want to just make a deal? And, you know, if you, if he, if we feel it's 20, let's just cut it down to middle. Right. Let's just say like, it's going to be $10 million from the league's perspective to say, no, 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 we do not want one of these situations again in the future. So we're going to put the hammer down and we're going to say, whatever we feel that Philadelphia is rightfully owed, it's going to be taken out of his contract and let the player take, let them take them to arbitration, which we are, which we're seeing right now. So let me ask you this, Bobby, what's Simmons case? His case is why shouldn't have been suspended because I was dealing with mental health. Is that his case? Mental health challenges, yeah, mental health be and a back, injury. A back yeah. injury, which at the end of the day, when we, when we look back on this five years, five, five years from now, we would say like, well, why didn't he just come to camp and say he had a back injury? That's, <laughs> that's, I mean, how this has been handled from the start has had met left many questions. Also, if his back was, if this herniated disc was this severe, would not the nets have caught that in the physical I will say this. I did hear in talking to someone I know from the Sixers last season during the regular season. Remember during the regular season, I think Simmons had a back issue pop up. And I remember being told that in the locker room, his his back had locked up and that he was in a serious amount of pain um, prior to the playoffs. So when this back issue popped up again, I remember thinking about what that what that Sixers source had told me last year that Ben had had these back issues. Yeah, it wasn't a secret. I mean, they, the Sixers shut him down right before the pandemic. And Brett Brown later said he wouldn't have been able to play if the season. He wouldn't have been able to yeah. win the playoffs if the year was under. Yeah, two seasons schedule. ago. Yep. So I'm just, I know, I mean, like, obviously, there was a lot of holding the nose in this deal, Bobby. And I mean, this must have been one of them. But the, the Nets were certainly aware that his back was bothering him or that he had a back issue when they approved the trade, the physical. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big thing there is that when the trade was done, it was, you know, pending, you know, reporting and passing a physical and, you know, the Nets did a, you know, an exam, you know, could they have asked for more if they saw something that was really as far as a red flag, as far as maybe more draft compensation, they did not, you know, they didn't go that way. And I think when you're when this season ends, whenever for Brooklyn, I think you know besides evaluating what their roster is, and I've worked with the Nets doctors, they've got high, they got first class doctors, but you have this hospital situation. for special surgery. It's where yeah, people this, in the league go to get their surgeries. You have this situation, and then you have the Joe Harris situation, where you know basically Joe has had to have reconstructive surgery by um, Dr. Anderson, I believe, not the Nets team physician, and um, so it's it's two players that they are missing that, you know, certainly they could use for, for the long haul. Yeah. So, um, so there, there's very, so I would assume whenever there was something like this, that would happen, Bobby, that, you know, 20 million or whatever, if this was a different situation, I'd be like, okay, they're going to settle. They're going to settle. Simmons was going to give back some money. But what you are saying is what I have heard is that this is precedent setting. This is a player who didn't want to play in that organization anymore and decided not to come and not to play. And that this isn't just about the $20 million. It's about what happens if this would happen again in the future. And while generally 
in the era of Adam Silver being the commissioner, players' uh, liberties that they take with with all of the previous um, standards, whether it's um, as simple as dealing with the media, it's as simple as um, resting, it's as simple as um, you know attire on the sidelines. Um, all of it has been loosened up under Adam Silver, and there's been a you know a a slope a slippery slope where the players have taken more and more liberties because silver in a lot of cases has let them do it they've pretty much legalized marijuana it's you know it's now not tested for and i'm not taking a position that's fine but like players generally under adam silver have been able to quote unquote do more get away i don't know i don't want to say get away because it implies wrongdoing but their flexibility on following the previously established rules has been very much loosened. And um, now this is the league, I guess, trying to put a stop to it. And so my guess, Bobby, is, is that the league, even though this is really a matter between the Players Association and the 76ers, my guess is that the league is going to have their hand on the Sixers' shoulder saying, no, 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 no. We got to set a precedent here, as you mentioned a minute ago. Oh, that's correct. I mean, I think if uh, if it wasn't, there would have probably been a deal done a month ago. But now this will go to arbitration. Arbitration takes it's it's probably going to take over a year for this uh, to get resolved here. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Supercuts. Let's face it, life is busy. Between work and family and more work, our to-do lists have a way of getting longer instead of shorter. Luckily, Supercuts is here to make at least the haircut part of your life easy. Supercuts is perfect for people who need a haircut, but don't have a ton of time for a haircut. No more scouring the web for salons with availability. You can use the Supercuts app to find the location nearest to you and check in or just walk in. Another bonus, the salon shows estimated wait times, so you know exactly what you're in for. That way, you're only in salon when you need to be. Don't expect to stay a while. As for the cut itself, it's always super solid. Thanks to Supercut's highly trained stylists. Get in, get out, and get to that thing that you needed a haircut for. Whether you've got a big presentation coming up or a wedding, or you just need some upkeep, Supercut's makes getting a haircut effortless. It's not just any haircut. It's Supercuts. Check in now on the Supercuts app or on Supercuts.com. So, and and the bottom line is, today Steve Nash announced that Simmons is going to be out for the rest of the regular season and any play-in situation. They can't skip the process of putting him through high-intensity workouts that maybe if he was if he had played during the season and had been out a few weeks they could skip the contact practices where he would have to show that he could get through them without injury uh or without setback so all to me that sounds like Ben Simmons not only is not playing in the regular in the regular season and playing 
but he is a long way and many steps away from playing. And I can't, I mean, maybe the Nets go to the finals. That's two and a half months from now. Maybe he goes through all that stuff, but I don't even think it's on the horizon. Ohm. It's certainly trending that way. Look, I mean, when you talk about, we had this conversation with Ty Lu the other day about, could you bring back an injured player such as Kawhi Leonard? Would you not, would you at least want him to play in a regular season game before having him play in the playoffs? If Kawhi is cleared and he was like, of course, that's, that would be my preference. But once he's cleared, he's cleared. But his whole point was that, you know, in this ramp up situation, if you have not played an entire season, you obviously need to get that that game that game feel of at least being thrown out there. Even Paul George right now, Paul George has been back now for I think three games, and he's like, I'm still trying to find my rhythm. And these are guys that have been actually rehabbing on the court and working out nonstop. Ben Simmons, I think, sounds like he had to stop for a long time. In addition to all the stuff that he went through with the Sixers, so I, I it would be hard for me. The, the Nets would have to be in at least the second round for me to see Ben Simmons having a chance of coming back. Sure. Could he come back? I guess at the end of a long first round series, if they go seven games or something like that, yeah, I mean, but we're, to me, we're it seems qualifying a this to protect ourselves from being pointed at as being wrong. I mean, none of us know exactly how he's feeling, but yeah, let's just be realistic here. Um, so Bobby right now, the nets are in 10th place. Um, they don't have the tiebreaker against Charlotte, who is in ninth. They do have the tiebreaker against Atlanta, who was a game ahead of them in eighth. So if they could somehow get into a tie with Atlanta um, that didn't include Charlotte, they could get to eighth. But they're staring down the reality. Charlotte has a very tough finishing kick. Um, But they're staring down the reality of 10th. And as we sit here right now, they are eight and when Durant and, and Kyrie both play, they're eight and six. When Kyrie plays this year, they're 11 and 15. Now, there is circumstances around that 11 and 15. A lot of those games were played without Durant. Durant was coming back from the knee injury. I get that. But am I to sit here and believe that all of a sudden they're going to be win two play in games, potentially both on the road, and then go through? three series to get through the East. I mean, do you believe that that's possible, Bobby, despite their talent level? No, it does. I don't believe. I mean, I think if they get out of the, the play in and that's a big, if they'll lose in the first round, I don't care who they play. If it's Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, any of those three teams, shoot, I'm so confident. I already wrote their off season article. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. You know so, well, I, I also, to be fair, I wrote the Bucks off season article after they were down 2-0 to, to, to uh, Brooklyn and I had to sit yeah. on for like two months. So, but I, I mean, my concern was always about, and, and Kirk Goldsberry wrote a great article about like just getting stops. Like, like, I think it's one thing to outscore them. And, you know, when, you know, I mean, look at the Saturday night, I mean, Durant goes for 55 and you still lose by seven is just the inability to get stops. And you've got like Kessler Edwards on a two way, like he's not, who's playing like a lot of minutes. He's not eligible to play in the play-in. So right. And Steve, by the way, Steve Nash got asked about that today. Is there, cause we've seen some roster moves by some teams in the last 10 days where they clear a roster spot and promote a two way guy to can a two way guy play in the play-in Bobby. No. Okay. So after, and Steve Nash today said it was unlikely that they, of course, Steve says things to the media that are blatantly untrue all the time, but Steve said today that 
they, he did not anticipate them making a roster move. So Kessler Edwards, who's been a rotation player for them for months, would not be able to play in the play-in. Under these yeah, rules. I mean, the late, the, what you would want to done would do something before March 1st and, and done something maybe with Blake Griffin, who, who hasn't played at all. I mean, he's played sparingly. So if you feel like Edwards was going to be part of your rotation, but so I bet, but at the end of the day, you've got the Curry injury with his ankle. Um, you know, I don't know if there's enough there, even if you do get out of the play and to beat a Miami team and unless Durant and Kyrie are just going to be off the charts here. Um, and I, like when the trade happened with, uh, with Philly, I always thought it wasn't about this year. I just thought it was going to, because I didn't, I wasn't expecting anything from Simmons. It was going to be about next year, but at the minimum, I thought this team would get out of, you know, out of this seven ten bracket. That's another thing that Steve Nash said today was that uh, Seth Curry could be, you know, they might hold him out until the play-in. Um, you were with the Nets in training camp in San Diego in a much happier time. Kyrie's <laughs> situation was obviously um, still unsettled at that time. Uh, it had just come out that he was not going to be eligible to play in home games. Um, could you have ever, did, didn't they play the Lakers when they were out there? Yeah. Yeah. That was their first preseason game. It was a preseason opener. Can you, could you have possibly envisioned the Nets thinking that they could be in, forget about the Lakers in 11th. We know that, that they could have been in 10th place now that we get to the end of this season. No, no. I mean, this, this season has been an utter disaster. I mean, Kevin Durant said today that basically he thinks his, his knee injury derailed the season. I mean, to your point, it's way more than that. I mean, it, it takes for a team to lose like 10 straight. Is that was that their longest losing streak earlier this season in which they Something were getting like blown out in like half of them. I mean, in all my years of watching NBA basketball, it takes a lot to lose uh, that many games, but then get blown out, like not even be in them, like lose by over 20. Usually it's almost, it almost feels like a team has quit. Um, so either you have serious deficiencies on defense or offense, or the chemistry is not there and guys don't like each other, or there's no leadership, or it's all of the above, you know? And so I, I could have never imagined that when we were in San Diego, uh, we saw the clouds coming of what was going to happen with Kyrie and the mandate and all that stuff, but not all the things that we've seen, James Harden, Kevin Durant, the injuries, um, the trade, all of that stuff. I, I just, there was no way of even... It was so far removed from even dreaming of this worst case nightmare scenario. I mean, the other day I said it was like Saturday. I was like, I cannot believe, despite all the bad basketball I've seen from the Nets and the Lakers, I can't believe that the Nets are in 10th place and the Lakers are in 11th. I just absolutely cannot believe that. So, Bobby, I um, early in the season, you know, so Nick Friedel, um, who was on this pod uh, occasionally, he moved from covering the Warriors in San Francisco to the Nets. Ohm cut was in New York covering them for the first, what, like most of the first two months Ohm. Yeah. And I picked up uh, three or four games in that stretch. I covered them on media day. So I was round. The, I think I've been to five Nets games this year, but I went to, I remember being in Atlanta in mid December and the Nets were doing just fine. Uh, Kyrie was not playing. I think they got to 21 and eight. They went on a little winning streak in, in mid-December. I think that they got hit by COVID like a lot of people did. But they were 21 and 8. 
Harden was playing well. He wasn't playing great. Remember, he was an all-star for a reason. He had been playing very well. Durant was playing well. Harden had gotten past the foul issues. They were doing just fine. And they are now, as we sit here today, 40 and 38. That means since they were 21 and 8, they, they, were, they are 19 and 30. And yeah, Durant, they lost 11 in a row, actually, all at one point. So if you look at that and say, well, get, forget about it. Get rid of those 11 games. Okay, they're still 500. They're still 19 and 19. And a majority of those games Kyrie has played. If you honestly look at it, you can go back and look at when Kyrie came back. When they let Kyrie back, their the entire mojo of the team changed. Harden didn't want to be there anymore, and he sort of went away. And they're still not winning now. Now that uh, now that now that they're back, and so Bobby, like th- this team, two years in because it's really three years, but really two with Kyrie. I mean, like, is for as much talent as they have. I know you say they make this Simmons trade for the future, and I understand that. I agree with that. But, I mean, how do you feel about beyond this year? I mean, do you feel that, you know, Simmons will come back and that'll be the the thing that makes a difference on the defensive end? Like, I, I don't know about even the outlook. Well, that's, that's you know, when in the article I wrote, you know, as great as Durant and Irving are, that basically how this, how the, the future a championship is hinges on Ben Simmons. I mean, that's the reality of it. When you look at this roster, they've got 10 free agents this offseason. You know, like eventually you're wow. Yeah. I yeah. mean, eventually, th- I mean, this is what happens. And I think it's a lot, it's different than when I was in Brooklyn in 2014, when you, but you, because you have Durant and Irving still in their prime of their career. But eventually, what happens is owners look at the bottom line and say, like, I'm paying a luxury tax, substantial for a team that can't get in out of the plan or can't get out of the first round. And the front office can justify it <clears throat> with injuries and everything else. But when it comes down to what the cost to Bruce Brown is going to be, what the cost, if do we want to spend a tax mid-level on Andre Drummond, Nick Claxton, all these other players here, kind of your back end um, of your rotation, the owner will say, wait a minute, I'm not paying an, an additional $70 million. You've got Kevin Durant and, and um, Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving. Go out and get minimum type guys here. And I think that's what I'm going to be waiting for from Joe Sy as far as when do I start putting the um, the checkbook away a little bit here and, and rely on on your three guys that you're paying hundred and you know $120 million plus for. Yeah, that's, a th- that's the thing about Joe Sy. It's funny because when you were talking about San Diego, Brian, when we were there, on one of the days in camp, Joe Sy had the whole team over. I mean, everybody, top to bottom, every single person in the organization that was in San Diego was over at his house along basically the, the cliff in La Jolla. And he basically did this to build chemistry. You know, he had all these games out there for them to play. There was a basketball court. There was a, obviously a great spread. And everything he has tried to do uh, he talks about this a lot in some of the t- times that I've talked to him. It's about building a winning culture, making sure the chemistry's there. He likes to talk a lot to Steve Nash and to Sean Marks. So he's in constant communication with Sean Marks. And so it is going to be very interesting, Bobby, like you said, what he's going to do here, because I do think he trusts Sean Marks. But at some point, uh, Joe is probably going to have to say, hey, enough's enough. What's going on here? I can't keep paying all this money and getting this type of results back. 
So Kyrie, about uh, 10 days ago, was was asked about his plans for the offseason. He has an opt-out in his contract. And he said, I signed up for this for the long run, so I love this year. Uh, it's dangerous to parse Kyrie quotes, but that's that's a bizarre statement. Uh, it has not been a prototypical year, but when I look at my teammates and I look what we have, have as an organization, I'm looking for the long run and what we can do for the legacy talk. I don't. What legacy? I mean, again, I mean, it's just, I don't even know. Then he, I'm skipping over some here just for brevity purposes. It has always been about being comfortable and loving where I'm at. And I love it here. So once that summertime hits, I know that we'll have some conversations, but there's no way I can leave my man seven any, uh, anywhere seven being Durant. So it sounds like uh, he is ready to, uh, to sign a big giant new contract, Bobby, um, last fall, I should say, I guess it was in the summer. Um, it was in September, I believe, uh, when Durant signed his, um, extension with the Nets. Uh, <laughs> it was funny. It was actually during, it was actually maybe in the semifinal game of the Olympics. So maybe it was August. Um, uh, and so Durant had had this really great game, uh, bringing the U S back from uh, a deficit against the Australians and we're, talking with Durant face to face in Tokyo um, covering, you know, this really important game that he had just helped him win. And it was like, he was about to walk away. We're like, Oh, Kevin, one more thing about the hundred million dollar extension you signed today, you know, <laughs> like uh, one more little piece of business. But when that happened, um, Sean Marks, if I'm not mistaken at the time said he was hoping to extend Harden and also extend Irving before the start of the season, they offered an extension to, or uh, to Harden, he turned it down. And we know that that set the stage for what was about to happen a few months later where he has to be traded. Um, Kyrie, I don't even know if they got there, Bobby, because they had to deal with the issue of him not being eligible for the games. But when they traded Harden, it was basically a vote of confidence in Kyrie. So I don't see how they are not going to fully have to give him a five-year to what, Bobby? Forty two. That's higher now because the cap's going to go up like two fifty. You know. Um. Are you excited about two hundred fifty million? For Kyrie? <laughs> I mean, excited about the two hundred fifty million. He's no. a great player, but are you excited about the five years? A guy who his investment in your team has been questionable the last couple of years. He's put other priorities, and you can agree or disagree. He's put other priorities ahead of your team. Um. You excited about five years for Kyrie Irving right now? No, I mean, in a perfect world, I'd love to go year to year. I'd love to do a year to year max contract. But the as you know, the NBA doesn't operate that way. And for better or worse, these two are married together. The Nets are married with Kyrie and Kyrie's married with the Nets. And Kyrie needs the Nets and Brooklyn needs, and Brooklyn needs Irving. I mean, that's just the, the reality of it. And, it. and it feels like with Durant, and he's talked openly about Kyrie, like he picked Kyrie over James Harden. Like that's the, you know, the situation. I mean, he, I'm sure Kevin would have loved to have both these guys here. But for me, I think from a contract standpoint, I think if you're Brooklyn, you're going to line it up with the Durant extension, the four years, and, and that's what you're going to offer Kyrie. You know, four years, whatever, 90, 190 million plus as far as that. Not, not do five years because that would overlap the Durant number here. And 
no, you're not, I'm not comfortable, but what is your, what's your other option? And people out, I've seen people say, well, let them just go test the market. And there's not teams out there that would cap space, but that's not how it works, right? Guys like that, like you, you don't do that at with the threat of pissing off your best player. Yeah. And I, I mean, and Durant is so good. If this is what Durant believes in, you don't have much of a choice. Um, Bobby, can you uh, can you put a pandemic clause into that new max contract for Kyrie if there's another another COVID around the corner? No, I'd love to put a lot of a lot of clauses in that. <laughs> yeah, remember, remember, look, Joe Sy, big proponent of getting vaccinated, and that was an issue and between and Joe and Kyrie. And you guys notice it, it hasn't. It's not just the COVID thing. I mean, the year that Kevin was out, it was it was that game in Philly when he was questioning if this roster was good enough and and Durant was out for the season here when and, and and failed to mention certain players and then you know then it was the bubble we knew he was hurt as far as what happened there um and then it was it was last year basically going on a sabbatical an unex, unexcused sabbatical here so how much do you how much do you trust Kyrie Irving like you're almost going to have to have faith in him that he is going to fulfill you know, whether it be four years or five years of, of this contract, because the alternative is that Durant and we, because Simmons is a wild card, Durant is going to be on this island by himself with a bunch of role players. Which would you be less excited about, Bobby? Uh, if you were the Sixers and you were giving Harden five years and 250 or Kyrie, the contract you're talking about? I would be less excited about Harden. Um, I think what happened with Kyrie this year, him not playing as much, I think preserved his body a little bit more um, as far as, you know, he's played half the season. So from an injury standpoint, finishing years is always a big concern as far as with Ky Kyrie durability. I mean, like I, I mean, I said it on February 10th and, you know, yep. the internet blew up. I said, it's going to be the worst contract in NBA history, not in year one or two, but on the back end, three to whatever, three to four. It might be five. really bad in year one or two <laughs> because even if he's playing okay and he's not playing superstar level, you might be like, oh my God, there's four more years. But like when you when you were with the Nets and you guys traded for Darren Williams, yeah, there was an expectation that he was going to get a max a max contract extension. Or I guess he, did he actually get to a whole new contract or well, he got a new contract because he met with us in Dallas that offseason. Okay, but when I don't you think they offered him, him. I don't think they offered him. I don't think they offered him a full max at the time. But we traded for him with the expectation because right. we ended up so much with favors and draft picks that I mean, unless right. things it, really went south, he was getting right. It, it wasn't like you said to to Darren, "Hey, we're going to do this trade, and then you're going to get a max." But it's implied, yeah, right. It's implied, and so when when the Sixers traded for Harden, it was implied that they were going to offer him the big number, even though Harden didn't opt into his contract, which remains one of the more, so much stuff was going on around that trade. We were just talking about the stuff with Simmons that was behind the scenes. You talked about this at the time, Bobby. I just I, I want to touch on it real quick before we move on. There was an agreement for Harden to opt into his contract for next year as part of the trade. And the reason there was, was because the net the, the the 76ers just didn't want to have that uncertainty out there. But Harden was like, why? I mean, I don't know what his I mean, he was asked about it and he basically gave the answer 
I, there was a lot going on. You know, I had to, I had to pack and I had to cancel my cable and all this stuff. Like, Oh, what about that $40 million option? You for just forgot about that. Like you, you know, forgot your, you know, case of DVDs. Like I don't, it was a nonsensical answer, but basically he just didn't do it. It was agreed to, and he just didn't do it. Well, remember guys, remember uh, Sean Marks, who you normally doesn't reveal anything uh, prior to camp in San Diego had said, Oh yeah, we're going to lock up James Harden and we'll lock up Kyrie. That should be done by the end of camp, if not definitely before the season. And I remember reading that and I was like, what? Why is Sean Marks saying this? He never says anything. And of course that backfired on them. And every time we asked James Harden about it, he was just like, I just, I just want to keep my options open, but winning is the biggest thing to me. And you know what? I'm committed to this organization. I'm committed to Josiah. I love it here. And of course he wanted out. So yeah, man, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> the whole business is uncomfortable. I would just be uncomfortable. And Bobby is just articulating what a lot of people in the league are. When that contract gets announced, press release, Sixers signed James Harden to multi-year contract terms, undis- you know, you know, per team policy terms are undisclosed. Oh yeah. We know the terms. Good God. I can just, I can just <laughs> well, see it. One, now. More, one more thing uh, regarding back to the, you know, the, why he didn't sign it. It was the paperwork was drawn up too. Like the Nets. Of course it up, was. It was basically like just sitting there, right? Like it, it's not just him saying, I'm a, uh, yes, I'm going to opt in. Like he has to actually sign like the paperwork here. And it, it you know, I think it caught a lot of people off guard the following that Friday when it came out that he did not like, wait a minute, he didn't you know, he didn't, we, the paperwork was already drawn up. How come he didn't sign it? And, you know, they do, we still have fax machines, I believe in the, or scan, we can scan, but it reminded <laughs> me of the time back in like uh, dating myself back in 2015, when we traded Durant, uh, Garnett to Minnesota for Thaddeus Young. And he had a no trade clause. He still had a no trade clause. And we, it was like 255 and we had not gotten it. And all of a sudden, like that sweet music of the fax machine that, you know, when incoming <laughs> faxes is coming. Here it comes from Andy Miller's office that uh, Garnett was waving his no trade clause. And it was like euphoria, right? Like, oh, my God, we finally got it. ASM sports on that little thing at the very top of this fax machine. Yeah. Um, By the way, I'll bet KG still does business by fax. He's the type of guy who (laughs) would probably still do that. All right. Before we go, I just wanted to check in real quick on the Clippers. Um, Ohm. I just I'm contractually obligated to just check in on Kawhi. Um, the Sixers have clinched the eighth seed. There's no drama. They're going to have to play in the play-in. They're going to have to go on the road. Almost certainly going to be um, Minnesota in the seven, although that's not settled yet. Um, and then so they have to win one out of two games. They'll get if they don't win in Minnesota, they'll get or wherever they have to go, they'll get the second game at home. PG is back and has has had a couple of very good looking games. What's can you just give us a qualified update on what's going on with Kawhi? I mean, the update is there's been no update, as you can imagine, on Kawhi Leonard. Um, We don't see him uh, when we're allowed into the practice court for shoot rounds or practices. Um, But that doesn't mean he's not working and he's not continuing. Everything I've heard is that he still is working hard. Uh, He looks to be in good shape. Um, and he's still working, but there's no timetable. There's no update on him. And I think, look, 
if Kawhi Leonard watched Paul George and he did the night that Paul George came back and looked sensational, I think PG had 34 in his first game back. I'm sure that had to give him a little boost as far as like, Hey, you know what? Let's see what's going to happen. But this had to give him a jolt of energy and excitement. And then Norm Powell, who was shooting on the court before yesterday's game, he's, he potentially could be back in practice this week. Um, so that's going to give them another boost and another jolt. And so my, my thinking has always been if the Clippers get out of the play-in and they are the eighth seed or the seventh seed, let's say they're the seventh seed and they get the Memphis Grizzlies who are, have been great this season, but still have to prove it in the playoffs. And Ja and, is banged up. I mean, they, they keep saying Ja's going to be fine. Yeah. Ja's going to be fine. What okay, if they, let me know. Let me know when he's out there. Fine. Let me know. What if they steal game one or game two in Memphis? Paul George is looking good. Norm Powell's looking good. This team's playing well. We know what Ty Lue can do with this group. And Kawhi Leonard feels good. And he gets the medical clearance. Hey, I don't know. He still that, will be. He won't be a year from his injury. He, he tore in June 14th. I know. But wasn't it a partial tear? Does that matter? Was it a partial tear? It was a partial tear, but then I think it was a, I think it was closer to a full oh, tear. Like a full surgery. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I guess if surgery. you have, if you have surgery, it doesn't really matter whether it's partial or full. Right. I mean, yeah. Tears a tear. Right. I mean, but the yeah. other thing you have to remember with Kawhi Leonard, this isn't like some shooter who's in the corner. This is a guy who plays everything about his game is based on power. Right. It's methodical. Everything's explosion. Everything's power. Even his jumpers, his turnaround jumpers, his mid-range jumpers, everything he plays, he plays so hard with power and strength yeah. that I think he's going to need the time. Bobby, time I just tonight. can't see them risking it. It, it. You know, Once the playoffs start, teams don't practice anymore. I mean, that's the other thing, too, is that it's it, you're basically going through a, lo- a lot of walkthrough, and it's not like you're going to send them down to your G League team because the G League season is going to be en- over by then. Uh, it, it's hard. I mean, the same with Simmons. It's hard for me to, to think that Kawhi is, um, is back this year. I agree, but it's so Ty Lu likes to say, um, his favorite answer to questions he doesn't like is I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Ty, uh, what'd you have for dinner uh, last night? I don't know. Uh, is Kawhi going to play? I don't know, but nobody will say no. They'll say, I don't know, but they won't say no. Well, you know, this as well as we all do, Brian, is that when it comes to Kawhi, it's up to Kawhi and his camp, right? I mean, yes, the Clippers are going. The Clippers are going to give him the medical clearance and all that, and they're going to make sure absolutely that you know they're lockstep with him and he's going to be safe when he comes back. But at the end of the day, does anybody do the Clippers even really know what's in Kawhi's head? No, everything's up to Kawhi. Kawhi's going to be the guy that's in control. So you had an interesting piece, a profile on on Ty Lue that ran about a week ago. I think we'll just bookend this podcast with the Lakers. Why not? <laughs> um, had it been previously reported what the Lakers offer was to him? That was the first time I saw it. Yes. Uh, I believe at the time Woj and, and Dave McMenamin had, okay. had reported it was like three years, 18 million. It, it obviously was well below what Ty was hoping for. A championship coach was hoping for about a, like a, what, you know, I think he was making five years, 35 million or something like that with the Cavs. So yeah. to get the three year, 18 million deal was certainly not only the only thing that the clip that the Lakers tried to do. The other thing the Lakers had wanted to do that season was dictate the entire coaching staff. They wanted Ty Lue probably to take Jason Kidd on as the number one assistant, which they made Frank Vogel eventually do. Um, but I think Ty Lue was thinking that Frank Vogel was going to be a part of his staff had he gotten hired by the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, I, I just thought he was uh, – it was interesting that what he said to you about it. Um, I know it's, you know, 
three years ago and Vogel went on to win a title and everything like that. But um, if you look at what Ty has been able to do and manage with this team this year, I mean, the crazy thing is um, I'm trying to remember who I saw this from. I wanted to give the person credit and I just can't remember now, but you know, the, the Clippers have played the entire season, most of the season without their, without their best two players. Paul's played what? Maybe 25% of the games, all, mm-hmm. give or take. Yeah, I mean, he just came back for three games for the first time since December 22nd. Right, and even in December, he was playing, when he shut it down, he was playing with a bum arm yeah. four or three weeks before that. Um, and you've never, I mean, I haven't heard excuse making from the Clippers, have you? I mean, I don't, and, you know, and, the, the, you know, so I was looking at this and I wish I could give someone the credit. So I apologize if I didn't give you credit. Um, but I, this person I, I saw said that, uh, you know, the Blazers have been overtly tanking, probably the most aggressive tank job in the, uh, in the, they've in the won, NBA. They've won season. two games since the all-star break Two Right. So from, from, from Dame Lillard's injury, when he got surgery onward, the clip the, the the Blazers have a better record than the Lakers. So, like the point of that is is that yes, the Lakers have had injuries, but they've like the, the, like the second half of the season, I think the Lakers are something like 10 and 30, 10 and 36. I don't know, whatever I don't know, whatever it is. It, 10 and I don't know. I I botched that number, but like you look at the way that the Clippers have been able to play and what Ty has made of this. And I think it's relevant. I think it's relevant to show the way the Clippers have approached this and the way the Lakers have approached this. And it's not just the coaching, you know, at midseason, the Clippers went out and got Norman Powell, knowing that this wasn't going to be their best team this year. They, they went out and spent assets and money to upgrade and the Lakers didn't. And maybe the Lakers decision was prudent. Maybe you shouldn't spend more on this year's roster, but, um, it's it's been interesting to watch these two teams. They're both going to be well. The Clippers are playing team. And the way they've handled their season and the outlook on their year is completely different from the Lakers. Only. Completely opposite. They've been the complete. Listen, this is a team that when they fall behind, for the most part, they continue to fight and find their way back in. A lot of that credit has to go to Tyloo, but I mean, they've come back from twenty four or more down four times to win. Three was the record in the play by player, which the Clippers did three times in basically two weeks in January. So they had already set that record before they did it again against Utah about a week and a half ago. So, I mean, a lot of that has to do with Ty Lue keeping these guys engaged. They, he doesn't have any problem benching his vets. Of course, he doesn't have, he didn't have Paul George or Kawhi Leonard do that, but he did do that at times last season. I saw him bench Kawhi and Paul in the second half against Atlanta in which they fell behind big, came back and won that game in the regular season. And of course in the playoffs, he benched Pat Beverly and Ivica Zubats in that first one against Dallas, won that series in seven games after they fell behind 2-0 and were down 30-11 to in that game three, if you remember, the opening moments when they looked like they were about to get blown out and swept. And then he brought them back in that second round and played them and beat Utah, and I think that created a lot of trust with these guys. But the Lakers, on the other hand, when they fall behind big, they're done. I mean, they don't show any fight at all. I mean, they've shown some semblance a little bit here and there. Well, they have a whole bunch of like they were down 27 to start the fourth and they get it to to seven, like with a minute to play. Like they have a whole handful of those. But, you know, they they sort of were never threatening to actually win. 
Um, yeah, it's just interesting to point out. You do out. wonder, like, okay, if, if, if you put Ty Lue, and I like Frank Vogel, okay, so I'm trying not to take anything away from Frank Vogel, but if Ty Lue were the head coach of the Lakers, do you think they win five more games? March Madness is here, and the Bald Men on Campus, an ESPN podcast hosted by Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg, will keep you up to date on what you need to know. These ESPN basketball personalities give you an all-access pass inside the world of college basketball, talking to the biggest names in the sport. That's Bald Men on Campus. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Cutting the price of your wireless bill feels good. Really good. Actually, it feels great. You should try it. So cut your bill by switching to Straight Talk Wireless. Now offering our $45 Silver Unlimited plan. That's unlimited high-speed data and 5 gigabytes of hotspot for just $45 a month. Get nationwide 5G on America's largest, most dependable networks. So why pay a whole lot for your data when you can get unlimited for a whole lot less? The $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. At 60 gigabytes, we reserve the right to review your account for usage in violation of Straight Talk's terms and conditions. A month equal 30 days. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Because if they do, they're in the play. I mean, I know what you're, it's a really fair question. And I, and I, I don't want to take a shot at Frank because Frank is like the chef who you took away his knives He's a defensive coach. They took away all his defensive players and said, absolutely make a, make a gourmet meal. So I don't think it's fair to just say that, but yes, the answer is I do believe that, that they would have more wins. They would have a better record. The only thing Um, I would say, the only thing I would say is about that is that it feels like whether it had been Ty or if it's whoever the next, if it's not going to be Frank Vogel is like the next Laker coach is going to be coaching year to year based on this roster, like at least with the Clippers, like there's a plan there's a there's they have a foundation they have the like there's a stable of these young guys there man like whether it be like terrence Mann or you know bj boston or like zubak or like there's all these guys like they go out and like even like the covington trade getting yeah. covington, like you have his bird rights yeah hey we can resign him like we're now like feels like we started with the Lakers. We're going to end with the Lakers. Like it's the, it's going to be the, this it, it's going to be deja vu this summer. Like, like all, although, you know, Rob did a good job putting that team together in 2019, right. After the AD trade, like that, that was different because he was able to take cap space and go out and get Danny green and other parts and use whatever the quiet money that he didn't get 30 million. Like here it's like, Okay, I have a tax mid level and seven minimums. Yeah, there you, you know, go. The, th- the thing you know, about Brian, Rob the- is Rob. The thing that Rob has done the best, in my opinion, is draft. He has drafted really, really well. Whether it was Taylor Horton Tucker or Kyle Kuzma, um, Josh Hart, Josh Hart, and he you know finds Alex Caruso. Like, and by the way, that's not a surprise because for twenty years. 
he was an agent. And yeah, he had a couple of high picks. He had Kobe Bryant. That's a pretty good way to anchor your, your, your client base. But he had to go out and find, you know, you know who a guy who he had one of his last clients that he signed before um, he, uh, uh, you know, went to be the Lakers, Tyus Jones. How's that? How's that guy look right now? That guy's like if Rob Polinka was still Tyus Jones's agent, he would be getting him a massive contract and the investment that he had years ago. Rob, his expertise, by the way, he was a, you know, a mid, I mean, you know, he was a compare, you know, he was on the, uh, he was at Michigan. He was one of the lower talented players in the team. He, he understands that. Like if you were saying to me that Rob Polinka had, you know, five draft picks over the next two years, I'd be like, yeah, I could see him drafting some players that could really get the Lakers out of this, but he doesn't have picks and it's not like he has the ring. So it's not like, Oh, shame on you for not having picks. He has the ring. So he's got it. It worked. The banner is up there. You can't take that back. I get it. But if you're asking me, you know, can, you know, can the Lakers do this? Can Rob do this? I would be like, well, if he could draft, I would totally invest in it. But how is he going to create a market for, for players that, that don't have a market? How is he going to, sign players with money that he can't spend well the other thing you know wendy you pointed something out great about vogel and not having the knives because he's a defensive coach is that one thing that ty Lu had felt slighted by the lakers was that he felt the lakers wanted him to just come and coach lebron not come and coach the team and try to win just that you're coming to coach lebron and i think you know when you look at frank vogel you had to build a team not only around LeBron and AD, but you wanted to build it that's going to fit the way that he coaches, right? This team doesn't fit that. So Ty, Ty had felt like, you just think all I can do is coach LeBron. So a lot of to him, he coaches with a chip on his shoulder. He was telling me this season is that he's not only trying to show what he can do without LeBron, that he's a good coach, but he's also, you know, he's trying to show the Lakers, hey, you are wrong and only offer me a three-year $18 million contract and only think that I can only coach LeBron. I, w- I wondered what would happen if Ty, if Ty Lue had won a championship in LA and then they only offered him a one-year extension. <laughs> that would have been uh, that would have been interesting. Um, Ty Lue, do you want this contract? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all right, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you, Ohm. Thank you to Jackson Jello, our producer. Thank you for watching and listening. Have a great week. We'll talk to you later. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.